Greetings, and welcome to the RPG Review Board podcast. You're listening to Episode 3. In this episode, the board administers their righteous judgment upon Tiny Supers, designed by Alan Barr and published in 2019 by Gallant Knight Games. Using the Tiny D6 system keeps dice resolution fast and fun, without the complexities inherent to the larger-than-life scale of the superhero genre, creating characters that feel truly superheroic. Join us as the board convenes in support of the betterment of tabletop gaming. Come now, the honorable representatives of the RPG Review Board. Oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, all rise. The RPG Review Board is now in session. My name is John Case Tompkins. I am joined by Heidi Faith, Trey Gordon, Adam Lawson, and Nathan Stanley. If the judgment of this court helps you find a new game, help us by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. Gentlemen and lady, how is everyone this evening? Uh, Adam. Yeah, doing doing well. So since we've last talked, uh, what's been keeping me busy? I got a new resin 3D printer. So my 3D Ooh. printing adventure continues. <laughs> you are you are uh, bringing into existence uh, things from the ether. That's right. So I'm looking forward to playing more RPGs just to give these ridiculous monsters that I'm printing a place on the table. <laughs> <laughs> Is that yeah. what you're, is it all figures or what, what are, are you printing? Almost exclusively game related content to my wife. However, I sold the 3d printing idea is very practical. Oh, that light fixture is broken. I can 3d print an exact copy, but that's happened exactly once. <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh, that is spoken, uh, like a, a veteran husband, sir. Oh, uh, that's, well that's, uh, that's how you get that stuff done. <laughs> Yes, yes, I once served in the husbandry. Yes. <laughs> husbandry. <laughs> yes. Um, speaking of another veteran husband, uh, Trey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. A weird thing happened yesterday. Uh, my wife and I were, were, were going for a walk, as you do, and we all live in, live in a, a Midwestern town with a downtown area that is much like just about any other Midwestern town. And so um, there's a shop front there that's been basically turned into apartments. And this big plate glass window faces the sidewalk. And there's a curtain right against the plate glass window. But you can tell that there's crap behind the curtain sort of pressing against it. Um, and there's a, a sort of a mirror leaning up against the back of the, um, the plate glass window up underneath the, the, the curtain. And there's a cat. And this cat is apparently perched on the thin ledge of a thing that's right up against... The window, and the cat looks like it's completely sandwiched between this thing <laughs> and the window. Its fur is all pressed up against the glass, and it looks sort of uncomfortable. And my wife and I think, we, we got to do something for this poor cat. You know, but it was a controlled entry building, and we didn't know who to ring. We're like, you know, and it's looking at us with this not exactly an imploring look, more like a mushed kind of look. Mm. And you know, I tapped on the glass to see if it would move, and it didn't move. We're like, well, okay, well, let's just kind of finish our walk, and we'll swing back by and see if it's gone. And so we did. We finished our walk. We came back by, and not only was the cat gone, there was another cat in its place looking just <laughs> as squashed but facing in the opposite direction. I bet they fight over that spot all day long. All the time. <laughs> it looked like a terrible it's, it's, spot. It's, it's my turn to be squished. I yeah. miserable. You've been squished there enough. Was no, there was no obvious way for them to get out of that spot. We were looking. How would they even do that? There's nothing to step. Anyway. Okay. Well, apparently they're fine. We just need to turn to the resident expert here. So Heidi, please explain <laughs> what's going on here. Um, how have you been? How are your cats? In my experience, cats are magic. So, you know, they just they do what they do, and you don't question it. You don't mess with them. You just kind of, all right, buddy, I'm going to let you do that. And, and, you know, you be adorable. I uh, think I've learned my lesson. There you go. There you go. Lesson learned. Well, well done. Um, hey, guys. I am good. I'm tired. I've been uh, actually traveling. I went to see my childhood best friend. Uh, we've been friends since uh, we were eight. And, wow. uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, another friend and I got to go see her and 
we spent some time in Napa Valley, and I am exhausted. Uh, So, yeah, I came back here from like 80 degrees, and today it is snowing. (laughs) So I'm a little pissed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and and, uh, boy, you know, if, if there's something close to the Garden of Eden, like Napa Valley... That's pretty good. That's it. Uh, that's yeah. pretty nice. <laughs> clearly, clearly, Indiana is not it. <laughs> <laughs> now, if it was unseasonably warm in the best way, oh, we yeah. had just perfect weather and just Ooh. wine, cheese, good food. Yeah. Mm. So I'm that here. Good. It was a long day of travel getting back here, but I'm here. <laughs> you have arrived back in the I Midwest. I have arrived back. Yes, I do. I do it all for you guys. Uh, and, uh, and we appreciate it. <laughs> we appreciate and it. No, none more. Welcome. Yeah, none more than Nathan Stanley. Nathan, how are you today? I am super califantabulous sweet. Let's see. Since last time we recorded, you know, probably the biggest thing in my life is I got my first dose of the COVID vaccine. My arm hurt for a few days, but hey, we're on the, the road to not being in a pandemic, which is a good nice. thing. I also, I backed... I got a Kickstarter that I backed from Dice Dungeons. It's a whole bunch of uh, status rings. They're little uh, one-inch rings that you can put around a figure on a battle map, and they have things like invisible and poisoned and incapacitated and things like that on them. And they have a really satisfying jingle. Oh, that is nice. That is satisfying. Um, Yeah, so uh, I'm really looking forward to getting to use these. Um, I had to put my Thursday night game on a brief hiatus while I get caught up on some work, but uh, hopefully we will be back at it soon, and I'll have many, many reasons to use things like incapacitated on my... Wait a minute. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That needs... Wait a minute. I'm a player. You're a player. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Well, what that really needs, honestly, is those... um, You need some, like, non standard status effects like peckish itchy <laughs> yeah yeah disgruntled disgruntled yeah yes disgruntled vaguely aroused yes slightly aroused and miffed befuddled <laughs> um, you, you could get one for Trey's magic cats that says two dimensional two dimensional <laughs> yeah. yes uh yeah yeah um, perfect that, you know i i just as an aside that reminds me of there was an old uh batman episode where the batman villain was turning everybody into two-dimensional pictures of themselves and batman solved it with his anti-two-dimensional spray oh of what? course because <laughs> yeah. of course he did yeah so. yeah it's it's in the uh it's it's in every uh utility belt that's right right next to the bat shark repellent That's right. Yeah, that leads us very directly into our conversation for this evening. But before we do that, I am going to say what I've been doing because I forgot to do this last time. I was going to ask you if you hadn't said. Yeah. Yeah. How are you, buddy? I am very well. Uh, I have lately been indulging uh, myself with some Criterion Collection. Turns out you can get the Criterion Collection, which is uh, old classic movies, as a streaming service now. Uh, much like you would get like Hulu or Netflix or something like that. Criterion is not a sponsor of this podcast. Yeah, but they're welcome to. <laughs> not yet. Criterion, I will gladly read any ad you send to us. But uh, they are doing, had he lived, Toshiro Mufune would be 100 years old this year. And so they are doing a Toshiro Mufune fest. Um, and so I have been indulging my uh, my desire for more Japanese cinema and watching Toshiro Mifune. And uh, if the if your question is, have I seen enough Toshiro Mifune? The answer is no. <laughs> you can always see more. That uh, uh, as as delightful as talking about black and white samurai movies would be, and I could do it. Uh, we are actually going to go back to that 2D spray and the shark repellent spray because we are talking about tiny d6 supers today um adam this was your game uh and if you could just give us a brief what the game is for for the folks at home what is tiny d6 supers so tiny supers is one of many offerings published by gallant night games it uses the tiny d6 engine 
It's a minimalist rule set using one, two, or three six-sided dice to resolve your actions depending on your circumstances, and you're looking for a five or a six on those dice for a success. With uh, Tiny Supers, your players are given a series of build points to add traits to their characters. Those traits come in two flavors. Some of them can be pedestrian but still interesting, things like wealthy or strong or detective. Those are things like Batman would have, and they allow your character to shine with certain rules and certain scenarios. Um, those type of traits are consistent through the whole Tiny D6 system. Power traits, however, are what are unique to this rule set, and each one has three tiers, and each gives progressively more powerful abilities that run the whole gamut, pretty much anything you could think that you would want a superhero to do. They are specific enough to explain how each of them makes a character special, um, but they're also generic enough to be flavored according to whatever the player wants to have it. For example, there's there's one called Blast. Is that Blast dark energy from a magical source? Or is it a swarm of bees commanded by your druidic nature? Bees. Or some sort of... Some sort of high tech, uh, uh, or is it some sort of high tech shoulder cannon? You know, that's that's for you to decide. But it's all just called blast, and it's it's can be flavored accordingly. Um, creating your first character, if you were to do it by yourself in a vacuum, it might take twenty minutes or so. But um, better to create them with your friends. Um, subsequent characters seriously could be made in like five or ten minutes for real. I do it a lot. Um, all your stats fit on an index card while still having generated a character that feels special, flavorful, and interesting. So um, the book itself is full color, great art, it's digest size, it has large print. One thing I think we'll probably talk about in more detail is that it is 260 pages, this book which sounds anything but tiny. Yeah. Worth, yeah. worth noting <laughs> is that you need the first 43 pages to play the game. If you want to run it in your own system and not use the setting that's supplied, you need the first 43 pages of that book. In fact, you can acquire it. It's just called the Player's Guide on DriveThruRPG, and that's just the first 43 pages, and that's all you need. And how much How much is the book? It's like 15 bucks. Yeah, the PDF version uh, has sold through the Gallant Knight website, which is fulfilled by DriveThruRPG. That's their preferred digital distributor. You can buy the PDF for 20 bucks. Um, you can get that player's handbook I talked about for eight bucks. Um, and they have some other offerings in the Tiny D6 Supers line, like a scenario that you can run, and that's four bucks. Oh, okay. You can also buy a hard copy of the book through DriveThruRPG as well. You can do the Perfect Bound uh, softcover or a hardcover as well. Oh, okay. So you, there is some support for this. Okay, so this is, it's a superhero system. It was my first superhero system. And uh, I had, uh, in talking with all of you, several of you were wanting to talk about the, just the idea of the superhero. This is a superhero game playing in the superhero genre. Heidi, can you kind of lead off with that? Because you were, this is something that was, that what you were thinking about quite a bit. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, so I think I've expressed this to you guys. I like superheroes as much as the next person, but as far as that kind of universe goes, it's not something I'm really, really into. I, you know, I have, it's, it's everywhere around us, right? We have all of the Marvel movies, comics, all of that. Uh, you know, and I like comics. I just tend to be more into comics that are maybe not necessarily superhero like uh geared toward that like more stuff like uh preacher or the walking dead or uh witches that kind of stuff but this that said this is super fun like because it, it just is it's it's really fun because it's essentially you don't have to know a lot about superheroes that stuff is such a prevalent part of our culture at this point that you really, it makes it easy to step into it and not, and this isn't meant as any kind of an insult, but you can step into it using pretty generic, you know, superhero like tropes, you know, like it's just like, eh, you know, like I'm going to have this power, I'm going to have that power. So, but that actually, again, for someone like me who has played games, but I'm not insanely experienced with this, it made it very easy and very, uh, there was no intimidation factor, I think, stepping into this for me. I don't know. What did you guys think of that? 
I know that, uh, Trey, this is something to... You mean, you know superheroes, because as Heidi says, we all sort of know superheroes. Right. But this is not something that you have a lot of history with, right? Right. Yeah. And sort of like Heidi, maybe, superheroes are, you know, part of the culture. And I, I grew up with friends who liked superheroes, superhero comics, and... I thought they were fine. I, you know, I didn't dislike them much like Heidi. I'm like, well, you know, that's a thing that's going on around me and that's cool and all, but it's not something that I sought out very much. Uh, back in the eighties, I played, um, a little bit of champions. And I think, I think Marvel comic superheroes was around at that point. I, I think it was the eighties. I played Marvel. Maybe. Does that make sense? Do I have my timeline right? Am I 80s would be that correctly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I played both of those and I, so there's a certain base level of knowledge that I think everybody in this culture more or less has about comics, you know, especially the superhero genre of comics. But the thing that kind of hit me when we were playing Tiny Supers was that there's a, there's another level of knowledge a little deeper than that, and another one even deeper than that, and I wasn't in on that. And that bothered me a little bit because I felt like it was like I, uh, what? It, it, it was like I was not getting the full memo. You know, there, there, there's, there are certain assumptions that people make when, they, uh, when they're really into superheroes that, you know, world type things. I don't know. I, I felt like there was something about it that I wasn't quite getting. So um, to uh, to make a superhero movie reference, much like Captain America, you occasionally catch that reference. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, that, that's not that's not too too far off. Yeah, I I it's interesting because I I feel like we all had so much fun playing this game, um, and of course part of that is we just like playing with each other. Like it's a it's just a good time. I'm letting it go. I'm letting it go. <laughs> Okay, come on, people. Lord Almighty. Heads in the game. Um, <laughs> I saw Heidi make that face. I was like, oh, 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 oh. It's funny because it's a naughty joke. It's Nathan Dynafire. But there, there, is, <laughs> there is something about the, about the aspect of, of superheroes that does make a lot of assumptions. Now, I personally like the fact that this was a light game because the superhero aspect of it was so general. It wasn't trying to do very specific, you provide very specific information. It wasn't trying to cover uh, exactly how much stronger Superman is than Thor or anything, uh, anything like that. It's just, you're super strong. You're super fast. Like, we don't have to worry about any of that stuff, which in comics tends to be very light on the whys and wherefores of how things happen. So I like that. However, one of the things that you mentioned, Adam, was this this issue with it's like the because it's a light system, the numbers tend to be rather small. Can you go into what you were saying with that? Sure. Yeah. So one thing that I worried would concern people with the rules light system is that the byproduct is you're only rolling a handful of dice and you just need to know did I hit him or not. When you hit him you know, hit the bad guy, you're going to, by default, do a point of damage. Um, If you're using a heavy weapon, you might do two points. If you build your character just right, you might do three points of damage. And I worried that players, you know, introduced to the system thinking they were going to feel very heroic, that when they play other games where the numbers are much higher, they're not going to feel as heroic. And so you're, you know, you're doing smaller scale on the rules. You're also doing sort of smaller scale. The, the, uh, the margins of, of damage are lower. Yeah. You don't have that, that feeling. I, I mean, I think this has happened for anybody. If you play D and D for long enough, especially a modern incarnation, you have that fighter or that barbarian that somewhere around eighth or ninth level, you know, hits a critical hit and it's doing like something like 50, 75 points of damage. And it just feels, you just feel mighty. You feel like, oh my God, look at how powerful I am. Look at the destruction I have rained down upon my enemy. And this is like, hey, you did really well in your hit. You do three damage, which is, (laughs) which is three is, I'm, and I mean, I'm not a math major, 
but I'm in a position to tell you that three is smaller than 75. Yes. <laughs> one, one thing I'd like to piggyback off of that comment, though, I, I actually, so I broke out my tiny D6 book, which I have a hard copy of, and I broke out my D&D book, and I'm looking at, you know, a level four or five, you know, level fighter. You're going to do a percentage of damage each time you hit him, and that guy might take eight hits to go down. The same right. is true in tiny supers, right? He's going to have stress capacity of, of seven or eight. And if you're doing one or two points a time, it really ends up being the same number of times that you hit as far as frequency. And this pretty much the same amount of number of times to take him down. Um, it doesn't feel cool to have single digit numbers, especially when they're one or two. Um, but ultimately, it's the it's a very similar experience than you'd have with a, a fifth level, level fighter. Yeah. When people are fighting in this game, I think I get the impression that they're usually fighting other supers, right? Uh, we never fought a mundane person. And uh, I know that it kind of, you know, my, my character's build was based around strength. And I really kind of felt the desire to think I was just doing these bone crushing amounts of damage. And it doesn't work that way. But in a comic, it doesn't either. If you've got a supervillain and a superhero going after each other, you know, Superman, he when he's fighting a, a bad guy, he doesn't just go down in one hit. You know, it takes a... They, they, they tear down buildings beating on each other, right? Um, so in the game that you uh, DM'd us in, Adam, we never fought any, like, ordinary people. So I don't know what that would have been like. Um, but it's not too far off what I imagine a superhero battle would have been i didn't get the feeling i missed having pow and crunch and stuff cover <laughs> the screen when i hit people mm -hmm. i don't think it's that big a deal i think you'd probably get used to it i think in the beginning for example we had a fight with you know the big bad guy or uh, rather the tiny bad guy because we all got <laughs> shrunk down through yes. his machine right so we were all itty bitty um but you know there was a part in that fight where my character is also she was supposed to be strong have a lot of you know strength bar fighting was one of her you know like traits you know but she was just uh swinging and not a, a couple of not great roles and it just felt like nothing and so of course when you do that you're right it's a little anticlimactic like when you kind of go into it like that and and there's not really much like in other games where you can have advantage disadvantage kind of thing you don't really seem to have that in this game so it yeah it can feel a little anticlimactic but once you kind of get rolling and when you do get a good roll it's like yes it, like it, it just works you know so yeah, I don't know. It is a remarkably smooth system. And, and, and that is the nice thing about a rules light system. I want to talk a little bit more about that eventually, because I think rules light as a subject of gaming, making choices about what what level of rules you use uh, for different different gaming groups is important. But Nathan, you brought something up about this whole idea before we leave just this this is a game about superheroes. One of the things that I think is interesting is is that discussion of just what are, what are superheroes like as characters for RPGs. I, again, it's a step away from fantasy where RPGs were sort of born, but how does it fit? Can you can you talk through what you were going for with that? One of the things that I mean you when you're talking about superheroes, you have to acknowledge just how how much they've soaked into the zeitgeist currently, right? We're, we're at the tail end of whatever phase the MCU is in now, and they've made 400 movies, and they've got uh, a whole... Now they're starting a whole bunch of TV series on, on their streaming service, and, and uh, you know, it's it's kind of hard to find somebody nowadays who doesn't know who Iron Man is, despite the fact that 20 years ago that had been very easy to do. So my, I guess where I was kind of going with that question was, you know, are superheroes maybe, uh, did they, did they feel a little flat to you guys? Did they feel a little one dimensional? You know, it, it, it's not to say that you can't tell a really good story involving superheroes, but, but um, I think whenever anybody thinks of like a classic quintessential comic book superhero story, it's, you know, bad guy shows up, bad guy does bad things, superhero shows up, superhero stops the guy. And, and that to some extent, 
is kind of how these games play out. Do you guys feel like there's enough room to explore an actual character in that? You know, do you feel like you were able to like breathe some life into these superheroes that you'd created or were they essentially a few stats on an index card that you were rolling dice against? Yes, but you have to do it. I think <laughs> I know I, I, I do. I, I think there, I had kind of asked you guys about this. Do you think it's, is it boring or does it push you creatively? And I think it's one of those things that, well, yeah, it's as boring as long as you're not kind of embracing it and going with it. Like your character, Nathan, for example, he could, that, that character could morph into different things and kind of take on, you know, just, okay, I want to be dressed like this now. I want to be this character. That gave you a lot of room to kind of push some boundaries. And so, yeah, I think it is. But I think, again, it's just, you have to kind of push those boundaries a bit. Yeah, it doesn't have a, uh, there are some games. So, for instance, our last game, Blades in the Dark, had some very specific rules baked into the system that were intended to help you, your character become more of a person. They had vices. They had a sort of limited time in the world um, that made them mortal. And uh, Trey, you said something about the idea. We were talking about the the limits of possibility when it came to advancement in this game. And you, you were looking at this and you came up with the idea, and, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it was something like, is it necessary to advance a character when in point of fact, um, superheroes don't really advance, right? Am I getting that right? You're pretty close. The, the, the idea, and again, this is coming from a guy who didn't follow a lot of superhero comics, and I, and I know that superheroes do grow and change over time, um, as, you know, within their own whatever storyline they happen to be in, right? But uh, generally, Spider-Man can do what Spider-Man can do, right? From the very earliest Spider-Man comics all the way up to the end, you know, there may be some Venom stuff going on or whatever in some timelines, but essentially Spider-Man is Spider-Man. And over time, he doesn't get to be better at Spider-Man stuff. You know, Superman started with his Superman powers and they were them. Uh, they, They were his powers forever um so in, in this one much like a D character though you're advancing and is my memories from the the 80s of playing champion where the champion worked similarly you know you do advance you gain you know as you gain levels i don't know i don't remember if they had levels in champion but over time you gain more abilities your your abilities become more powerful that doesn't feel very superhero to me I definitely find that kind of uh, line of thought really interesting to speak a little bit on Superman. You know, original Superman couldn't fly. He was, he was very strong and he could jump really high. He could leap tall buildings in a single bound. And that's why I was dressed. That's why he was dressed like a circus strongman to kind of put through the imagery that he was very strong. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but over time they gave him the ability to fly. The question though, is that, uh, and I'm not nearly familiar enough to be able to answer this accurately. Was that actually character development or was that a matter of, you know, of DC comics trying to breathe new life into a character, right? Was, was this something that, you know, with the swish of the quill, a writer added so that he could do something more interesting with the character or was an actual character development? Because as you said, we all kind of know what Spider-Man does, right? Like he doesn't invent a new power next week because he successfully defeated Doc Ock, right? right. Gen- generally yeah. speaking, with a few exceptions here or there. Yeah, there's a, um, it, well, and this is a, a thing that plagues the superhero genre, right? So I believe that most additions to characters' abilities tend to show up in that kind of, uh, someone, el- someone else takes over the writing for a character and they just continue, right? Um, and uh, they write from, from wherever, but they add something, and now it's part of canon. And then someone else comes in and, and adds a little something else, and now that's canon. Sometimes it's explained, sometimes it's not. But that is something that seems to be true of superheroes, that in some ways they don't ever change. Superman is like 80 years old now, or 90, from when he was first invented, but he's still the same guy, and you're still telling the same story, just set in different eras of when the ship landed with him inside it and how he was raised and all that sort of stuff. And that's that does in some sense work against what RPGs 
tend to expect you to do, which is to develop over time. Your character gets better. It's it's one of the game parts of RPGs. My character, one of the reasons I keep playing, theoretically, as a player, is to get a new power, get something cool. Does that work with a superhero RPG? But all there are there alternatives? I, I don't know. I can't think of any. I mean, theoretically, anybody, a sufficiently good group or a sufficiently um, interested group in just developing of characters could just play with characters at the same power level for forever. But we ourselves are motivated by a desire to gain and explore. And I mean, that's what makes us human to some extent. So we need something pushing us on. I, well, okay. So I'm curious to kind of toward that. So to me, when I think of this game, I don't think of this as a game. I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun playing this game with you, with you guys. Um, but I also don't know that this is a game I could see myself playing incredibly long term. I see this as being a game that I play for a few months and then, you know, either take a break, try something else, or maybe just, hey, let's, since it is so easy to create new characters, maybe we just, hey, let's start over. Let's do something new. So I don't know. I, I, I guess to me, maybe it's a Maybe it doesn't matter that these characters don't necessarily grow and develop the way, say, a D and D character might. You know, as they level up over time. I I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I guess for the longevity of playing this particular game. Yeah, uh, I I totally agree. So you know, in a scenario where you're reading comic books and the character doesn't change a lot, uh, the difference with an RPG is that you need a carrot. And what's interesting about that is that the characters, if they're not going to get new abilities or if their ability to get new powers is limited um, like it is in this game to seven traits or whatever it is what has to develop is the character and and you know how they experience the world what this system does not provide you is the guidance on using this format for longer term play um so it is in my opinion it's designed for like you described we'll play for a couple sessions we'll play the story arc i had designed and then we'll start over with new characters if we choose to continue with this system um you might level up your character a little bit but it's it's not really it's almost as if it's not designed for long-term play wherein you know you would develop your character not by acquiring new powers but by how they interacted with the world the longer term play not issues one through six but issues one through 360 and that that this system isn't necessarily designed to help a gm or a party support that longer term play to experience their characters like that or you you could very easily do something um i mean it, 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 this would be an interesting sort of thing you know you you have your character you tell a complete story with it and maybe at the end of that of that story the character dies or or sort of, um, you know, reaches some sort of resolution where they're not a superhero anymore because they've, they've, you know, they've met the love of their life and they're going to settle down and make superhero babies. But then that storyline ends and then you retell the same story with, with the same character, but it, you, it goes different places. The number of times Batman has been reimagined in different times and places and, and um, ideas, you know, around this central character. It's a strong character and it's, it's very archetypical, like all good comic, comic book heroes. So you can sort of retell the story over and over again. But we're, we're getting very deep into our own butts here. So let's, um, <laughs> let's turn this around a little bit and talk about this whole idea, which is another thing we've been talking about as we play through this is just the idea of the rules light system this is as adam laid out super light super easy and i want to i want to talk uh and several of you have have mentioned this i want to talk about rules light system so this is not dungeons and dragons it's not ad and d or for fifth edition or um you know god protect us pathfinder <laughs> Yes, I did just cross myself. Uh, so, so there are there's precious little in the way of a character sheet, precious little in the way of rules and systems. What were your impressions playing this? Just of that of that experience, Heidi, you kind of liked that, right? I mean, the rules like okay. So, as you 
I think, I don't know if you said it here, we've talked previously though, this is a universal system, this is rules light, that makes it incredibly easy to step into. Again, so the tiny D6 universe is pretty vast. There's a lot of genres you can play. This is supers, but there's clearly a lot of other areas they've developed games. Um, but being supers, for me, this is my first experience with the tiny D6 world. This was great to step into because, again, supers, it's something we all know. It's pretty universal, easy to step into. I really like the rules light system, obviously. It just, there's no intimidation. We set these characters up in like 20 minutes, basically. It was great. I loved it. So. Yeah, I, <laughs> it is remarkably, remarkable how quick you can get stuff going. And I felt like, well, the week before we started actually playing, I was just creating characters left and right because it was so easy. Just like, boop, boop, boop. Oh, look, I've got a, a Fantastic Four team. Uh, that was easy. But Adam, you were saying as um, as a GM, you ran into some occasional problems where you were trying to do something and there just wasn't enough rules there to get something done, right? Yeah, so one of the things that is, is interesting about the superhero genre is that you want, uh, you want powers that cover all the tropes. But if you take the similar scenario like an RPG group, you want the support character as well. And to take that into the, the superhero genre, there's not a great system for some of the actions you might want to take, like to make me make Case's character better at what he does. Um, so I was looking for like powers that would let me aid another or prop someone else up worth mentioning there are new standard actions in a new kickstarter that the tiny d6 supers has propped up but uh but as far as what's in this book which is what we're reviewing i felt things like the assist another standard action um would have been great to include or um, different rules and mechanics for for being a support character and nathan you said something about combat as regards rules light um, can you go into that a little bit? Like what, what was your objection there? You know, uh, it's kind of a, a lot of what we were speaking about earlier, you know, you, so when you, when you set up a character, you get to choose uh, a weapon proficiency and, uh, I try struggling with the terminology. Is it weapon mastery? You have, you mm -hmm. have like, so you might have like light melee weapons as your weapon proficiency, but you might be a master of uh, a knife or something like that. Right. Um, and uh, so, so that means that in general, in combat, you're pretty much always going to be using your preferred weapon because that's going to be what you're carrying with you, which means you're going to be rolling 3d6 when you're attacking. And if you do some damage, you're going to do, generally speaking, I'm speaking in general terms here, one or two points of damage. And it's, it's on one hand, it's very lightweight and it keeps things moving very quickly, which is really nice. On the other hand, um, you do miss some of the swinginess that you get from, from other games where, all right, I hit, now let's see how much damage I did. Oh, that wasn't a very good hit. Or, oh, that was a really great hit, that sort of thing. And you kind of miss out on some of that excitement. So um, I think that was kind of my main concern with combat and the rules light system. And I was just interested to see if, see what other people thought about that. Yeah, yeah, I had some thoughts on that too. We, Nathan and I, of course, talked in the green room prior to this uh, recording, but, <laughs> but uh, one, one of the things that I think, yes, you're going to do a point or two and we can extrapolate how that really, what that really means or how that works. Number one, it's incumbent upon the GM and the player to help fill in that gap with narrative. Um, and there isn't a lot in the book to help you sort of navigate that. It's sort of a skill you have to already have or hone regardless of, of this system or any other. Um, but the other is, in a superhero genre, you're not going to get glancing blows. They're always going to be the big, solid, connecting, pow, bamf, big, you know. So they are always your big your big hit. So they always are at your max damage. That just happens to be a point or two in this system. Um, but like I said, it, it's still the same percentage as it would be if you were a fighter. Um, so I didn't have as much concerns about it, but I was also not a player. So I'm curious what the other players thought. Well, I, I think that, um, again... Uh, Adam, you did a, a great job running us through this game. And, and of course, we all love playing with each other. And we like this. I said it again. Dagnabbit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate you all so much. We're 12 years old. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we, we enjoy uh, each other's company. And I'm trying to say this without the word play. It's very difficult. <laughs> uh, okay. 
But you get why, like, we are all in this together. We're, we're working together to make this happen. And we are happy with, with filling out this stuff with narrative. So, Adam, you're right. You know, a character may only take three or four hits and then they go down. And so it can be a description of, you know, like, a, a, you know, your punch connects solidly. He can't take much more of that, right? And so that translates one point of damage into something that feels more significant, right? And that's just, that's just narrative, right? My issue with this, and, and it's just, again, it depends on who you're playing with. But because this system is so light for some players, players who are used to a more adversarial role um, with their GM, ah, I think there's even, uh, Nathan, your character had a power that specifically said, don't abuse this because you would make the, the DM's life miserable. And it's like, if you have to tell a player not to abuse a power, uh, me thinks it is not balanced or it has the potential to not be balanced, right? Yeah, that, that ability specifically was wealthy. So it basically said, don't buy your way out of all the problems. Right. And so it's like it's like here if you have a sort a group that is perfectly willing to step into the the sort of assumptions of the system and play along and not be dicks about this, you're going to have a great time, but if if you have people who habitually min-max or to try or, or try and gain every advantage, rules light systems uh, in my experience, can lead to a lot of uh, a lot of abuse, hurt feelings, hurt for hurt feelings, because some somebody is somebody is working the system and other people aren't. So I the interesting thing about kind of what you were saying there, Case, is uh, what's the what's the phrase uh, when you're living outside the law, you no longer are afforded its protection, something like that. I'm paraphrasing. Don't quote me. I say as I'm being recorded. <laughs> But, too late you have already is, been quoted <laughs> that's right <laughs> um but there is there is something to say about a rules like system means you don't have any quote-unquote laws uh to go by so you know you you are in this situation in which if you are not in a very good place with your group or with your gm you can end up in some weird arguments about like what you can do what you can't do that sort of thing and you know in a in a more structured game like the uh god help us pathfinder um in pathfinder there's rules for everything everything oh uh you want to use that wand with your offhand oh well there's probably rules for it i don't know but i'm guessing there are you know so it kind of gives the it gives the gm a little bit of cover to hide behind like eh, you know you can't do that it says so on page 497 chapter 13 subsection d that if you would like to use the wand in your offhand you have to yada 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 you have to have a feet. Yes, you have to have a feet for that. So, uh, you know, in a rules-like system, you end up have and in this situation where you're going to have to negotiate with, with your GM a lot more. And GMs, you're probably going to have to be a lot more comfortable with saying no or saying yes, but with a caveat or saying yes to the rule of cool. True. What did y'all think? It, we've kind of touched on balance a couple of times in this conversation. And... Um, it kind of leads me to something that I was wondering about. There's there's a rule in here that says that you can only have seven traits at a time. And, you know, you're not supposed to have any traits beyond that. And we we talked a little bit about this after a game one day, but just maybe re rehash a bit. I, I had thought that, you know, I had this concept for this character. And, you know, you've, you've got this idea for a superhero in your head. And the superhero can do certain things. And then when that concept meets the actual rules and the abilities that are available to you in the rules, you start thinking, well, okay, this ability of mine uh, is kind of a combination of those two things. And so I'm going to need to have both of those in order to be able to do this thing that I want this character to be able to do. And eventually you're going to run up against this limit of seven, especially if you're involved in some sort of a cosmic type campaign, right? 
where your superheroes are operating on a cosmic level, you're going to have to have certain abilities anyway just to play in the campaign. You're going to have to not have to breathe. You're going to have to be able to fly. You know, if you're going to be moving from planet to planet, you're going to have certain abilities that you're going to have to have anyway. There's going to be almost nothing left for the for the traits that make this character an individual. What, what are y'all's thoughts about that? I think that, so some of it is, I, I agree with you, some of it is arbitrary. And I think for some of those rules, they're there for the people who are getting into the game to just be comfortable with it. Like seven is not that much to keep track of, especially if you've pumped several of your abilities into, into higher tiers, which you can do. So you can have super strength one, two, or three. But I, I imagine that uh, comfortable comfort with this system would bring uh, a desire to futz with those rules. And honestly, for rules like systems, there is a kind of accepted, understood uh, assumption that by the designers that people who get the system will futz with it because there's there's not much there. And so you are sort of within your rights to come up with new things. In fact, I think there is even something in there, uh, Adam, correct me if I'm wrong about this, about this, like, if you don't see a power that you like, talk with your GM and come up with something, right? Yeah, yeah, there's a couple mentions in that, um, particularly in some of the latter material, talking about, hey, you know, if you don't like something, throw it away. If you want to add a new weapon group, add it. Um, And they give you some examples on where to do that, but you may not know where you need to fill in those gaps until you've played a bit, and I think that's a great place to do it. Make a new power. You have some examples that give you benchmarks here in the book, and you can work with your players to get that done. If you have an adversarial or munchkin-like team, that's going to be harder to do, but... Yeah, there's some options there for for expanding. And I think you hit the nail on the head, Case. I think really it's you pick seven because it's a number. And if you want a number, here it is. It's seven. You want more than that? Go ahead and add more than that. If you guys are prepared as players to manage more than that as far as resources go and you level up that far, great. I think it would support that. Well, and, and, and speaking of just like if you want to do like cosmic exploration of the stars sort of stuff in keeping with standard... <laughs> approaches from comic books that is very easily hand waved. He's like, oh yeah, no, you find a suit. Um, it protects you from cosmic radiation, and uh, it's got a jetpack and um, oxygen tanks. I'm rich, so I'll just buy myself a suit. There you go. Hey, wait now. <laughs> yeah. don't, don't abuse your your wealthy trait. Yeah. No, and and there is a lot of that sort of hand waving, but yeah. Yeah. No, there 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 is, and and again, it's the spirit of this type of game so if you like if you are into comic books and you are also into them in in a self-aware way you know that there are these certain tropes that you just kind of gamma rays made the incredible hulk you just kind of accept it and move with it you'll probably be fine Yes, we all have come to that conclusion as experienced gamers this this game doesn't tell you how to do it but it can support it once you finally realize, make that realization on your own. I was just going to say, I think um, I want to move into a, into a, a sort of summation of what, what we think about this game. But before I do that, is there anything that you feel like we've missed in particular about this system or about, about our, our conversation from before that we need to hit? I am curious, because I know not everyone here, including myself, but some of you have played in the tiny D6 universe uh, before, and obviously they have other genres, right? And if you have played in those other genres, like Wastelands, even even whatever the, the Baywatch one is, I think it's... Baywatch. <laughs> it's not really? called Baywatch. <laughs> whatever I one that. whatever one it is you <laughs> there's a lot out there my there's the, the dungeons one. yeah it was uh it's very interesting but i'm i'm curious because again i found this an easy game to step into because just the way it's set up but also because it is based on superheroes which is something that you've got to have you have to be hiding under a rock to not at least have a general idea of like what superpowers are or whatnot. 
So I am curious, for those who have played in the other genres, did you find it as easy to kind of step into it as this was? Because this felt incredibly easy for me. Uh, yeah, I can feel part of that. So I have played uh, the Tiny Dungeon, which is the, the fantasy version of this game engine. And it works in the, in the same way. What's, what's special about Tiny Supers is the power traits in the same way that like what's special about the Tiny Pirates is its ship combat rules. So it's same rules plus ship combat, whereas Tiny Gunslingers is the same rules plus you know, standoff and gun, gun, special gun rules. Whereas wastelands is like excavation and, and, uh, you know, that type of thing. Tiny dungeon has the most support because it's the flagship of the tiny D six system. In fact, the first edition of tiny dungeons was actually not published by gallant night games. It was published by smoking salamander through a Kickstarter, which I backed and tiny D six. The first edition of tiny D six was the first RPG that my kids played as an RPG. So it was an introduction to fantasy role-playing. Um, and that was since acquired and adjusted through Gallant Night Games and has just exploded with all these other genres. But yeah, the Tiny Dungeons works just like you would think it would work um, in comparison to Tiny Supers, except without powers. Cool. Okay. Yeah. That that brings up a question maybe that I've got here, which is you, how how did that go? Did, it, did the Tiny D6 system work really well for introducing brand new players to role-playing? Because as an experienced player, sometimes I feel like maybe um, these rules light systems, especially this one because of how lightweight it is, can feel a little bit like you're teetering on the edge of a cliff. There isn't any support there for you. So sometimes you kinda, you're kind of grasping at straws for what, what knobs and levers you can pull. So, so how did it work for, for n- new and young players? Yeah, I can't remember exactly how old they were. I'd have to go back and look to see when Tiny D6 First Edition was published, but they were pretty young. Um, I have twin daughters, and and they love to be nerdy like I do. What I liked about it was that it was a game that I can obviously play with my peers in the same age group, and I can obviously play it with uh, my younger kids. Um, what I liked about it was that whereas in Tiny Supers we have these different archetypes that you can pick your, your class effectively, picking your class in Tiny Dungeon let your class do a specific thing that made them special so if you're a wizard you could cast a spell if you're a fighter you could attack more often than than the other characters you know and that that made them feel special which was important for an introduction to an rpg and they could lean into the thing that they did well and feel really heroic when when they did that the rules were easy enough to explain to them at what was probably six years old in the same way that I finally eventually got you to understand the tiny supers rules, Nathan. So, um, yeah, so I was able to do it on both. Which which one's the six sided die? <laughs> it has the most. It has the most dots. Okay, it's I'll the one that's the shaped one like a sugar dots. cube. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Well, that actually just that brings us really naturally and easy. Thank you, Heidi. Uh, into um, our our penultimate question, which is. Who is this system for? Who would you recommend this system for? So I think Adam, like teaching new players, somebody who's experienced teaching new players. Trey, what do you think? I was interested in this bit of the conversation because I had been thinking that uh, new players needed more, you know, kind of like Nathan was intimating, maybe new players need a little bit more structure. But Adam started talking about his daughters and then I thought about my own daughter when she was in grade school and our first role-playing you know role-playing game experiences and yeah you know I I went I went straight to Savage Worlds because the the rules were not quite as complicated and she was into it um so I think it would be good I'm, I'm starting to change my mind I'm starting to think that a game like this would be good for people who are just starting out yeah, I'd like to just comment on that real quick. So we have this we have this wave of your creativity, right? When my kids were six, the public school system had not beaten out their creative juices, right? <laughs> and so they were still they still didn't need the guidance for role play because they already were were so creative minded. And then you kind of do this thing where in junior high and high school you're like, "Am I allowed to do this? There's not a rule for it, right?" And then you finally realize that do what it, try whatever you want and we'll we'll adjudicate it at the table and you're back up then to more creative minded when you're more of an experienced role player and so it sort of has this ebb and flow but if you catch someone in the wrong time i think you're still uh trey making a valid point is that because the rule system doesn't facilitate what you can do you may be panicked with uh too many options 
Yeah. Well, by Adam's chart, I think I'm in high school. So, you know, <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm coming yeah, along, yeah. but, you know, still still a little timid, but yeah, all right. <laughs> the, the Board of Education does not endorse views uh, <laughs> expressed in this podcast. That's right. That's um, right. I'm a, I'm a whatever a 25th year senior or whatever. <laughs> uh, Nathan, what do you think? Who's this for? Um, I think uh, this is going to sound like a really cheesy answer, but I'll explain. I think it's for players that are looking for some quick fun. I think it's for um, you know I, I mentioned earlier that if you if you have a more adversarial relationship at the table, this game's probably not much for you because you're going to get locked down in these little quagmires of like, well, can you do that? I don't know, you know, and you'll you'll kind of argue about those things until you're all blue in the face. Um, whereas like I could sit down with my gaming group, we could have characters made in 15 minutes, maybe less time to be honest, and be playing a game inside the hour. And we could have a ton of fun with it. And and a lot of that is just the players bring the fun to the table, you know, because there's so little here that that's that's something that you're going to need. So for players that want to have fun, if you want more rules, you're going to go elsewhere. If you want, you know, more arguments, you're going to go elsewhere as well. Heidi, Uh, my answer, it's also going to possibly come off as a little cheesy because I'm going to say I think this is for just about everyone. I think much like a Pixar movie, this is kind of going to what Adam is saying. You can take this on different levels. You can play with people in your age group, your your friends, your peers, but you can also play with your kids and you're going to get different things out of it. But I think anybody who is, again, you can be experienced and it's still a blast, you know, or you can be kind of a newbie or a brand spanking new. And I think it's still just easy enough to get into. Uh, but I, so I, yeah, I think really the only qualification is you just kind of have to have a little bit of, I want to check out some nerdy RPG stuff and, and that's about it. Um, I, I was just going to add on to there real quick. You mentioned that it's basically for, for, you know, any age group essentially. And I would add to that as well, that the, uh, the campaign setting that comes with it is very brightly colored and has a lot of like larger than life characters and such, but you could just as easily turn this into like the Watchmen or something like that, you know, really dark, you know? So if you, if you wanted to play with, you know, adults around a table talking about adult things, you could definitely do that with the system as well. Yeah. I, I, I think there's a tendency to think that a system like this is best to for uh one once one off very short term kind of campaigns and that they it wouldn't scale well to a long sort of and I'm not sure I buy that. I think if you had a table full of people who were good at playing together, you know, who who weren't adversarial and who really wanted to be into story, right? Just tell you know, long, involved stories. I think this game would be fine for that. I really do. Um, I, I, I don't think it's, you know, I, it would be fine for one-offs because, like you guys pointed out, you can make a character in zero time almost and and off you go. But I, I think it would be, I think it would work just fine for longer campaigns. I don't, but I am also the resident. You're wrong, wrong. Yeah, No, no. Get out um, of here, mister. Yeah, listen. Okay, everyone calm down. Daddy's talking. No, I I think I think that this best this group or this game is best for at the very least an experienced GM with with players of any type. So I agree with you. Play with pretty much anybody, but I think your GM needs to be experienced. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I guess I I'm, I'm... Since I have never GM'd, I'm not thinking from that perspective. So that's a really good point. Well, this this leads me directly into our uh, last segment, which is the actual grade. And for me, this thing, as much as I absolutely enjoyed playing with you guys. Oh, here it comes, guys. Here it comes. Yeah, this, <laughs> this thing gets a fail for me. There it is. Yeah, it's because <laughs> of the lack of gm material now again this this is a light system if you are a comfortable gm you've been playing for a long time you'll be okay but there is once you get past the basic rules there is almost nothing 
to assist the GM in playing and or running a superhero game. There's nothing about the um, basic structure, dramatic structure of a comic book. There's nothing about designing villains, designing layers, designing henchmen, designing villainous plots, designing you know uh, battles that work as yeah. a super. Yeah, there's nothing. And the rest of the book, it's 200 pages. After that 44-page mark that is the rules, it is a description of a world that you don't need. It is the last thing that a, uh, a GM needs for this system. And and so I, I just, as much fun as we had, I just can't recommend it because if you've never played or run a superhero game before, there is nothing here to help you. It's just... You're just going to have to go and buy other stuff because there's nothing here um, to help you run an adventure, let alone a campaign. Nathan, what did you think? Uh, well, for me, I will give this uh, a pass. I think uh, I love rules light systems, as you guys know. Uh, I love systems that don't get in the way of me being ridiculous, which I did plenty of while playing this game as well. Um, and you did it so well, sir, with a plum. <laughs> that's, that's right. Uh, that's right. I've turned being a goofball into an art form. And I love superheroes, so this is kind of, this is just uh, chocolate and peanut butter for me. And I like chocolate and peanut butter, which is why I'm diabetic. <laughs> and... Uh, the things that uh, the things that could have turned this into a high pass for me, I don't think are easy fixes. But you know, the dice mechanic I feel is a little on the shallow side for me. Yes, it's rules light. I love the idea that you're basically just chucking two or three dice, one, two or three dice, basically is essentially all you'll ever roll in the game. But uh, some other mechanic, either ability modifiers or or like a dice pool instead. Like I think I think uh, it'd be really cool if you know when using your power you got to gather up a handful of dice and chuck them and look for a number of successes or something like that. You know, because I want some of those big uh over the top dramatic effects i want dice scattering across the table when i when i decide to use my superpower to punch this guy into next week so you know things just uh pieces of gameplay like that i would have appreciated a bit more you know combat just feels a little shallow to me sometimes that's what kind of keeps it from being a high pass for me but still definitely a pass because i love rules light systems and i like superheroes heidi so for me this is it's not a high pass, but I'll give it a pass. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. I actually, like, I really thought this was super fun. Again, it's quick. It's easy. If you are newer to playing these games, it is just incredibly easy and fast to make. A, I mean, what's their tagline? Oh, you can fit a character onto an index card. That's all you need. That's great, you know, because you can just do that over and over Again, the superhero stuff's super fun, but it's not maybe my favorite genre. I do like more the fantasy stuff, like when we played Blades in the Dark, that kind of stuff. I lean more toward that. That said, I would be very interested in checking out like tiny dungeons, that kind of stuff. Like I would be really interested to check out other worlds with this system because I agree with Nathan that I like this kind of light, um, rules light system. And since it is a universal system, I think it might be much easier for me to transfer into just another one of these genres and check it out. Well, and uh, again, thanks from all of us to Adam, because he did a great job running the game for us. Heck yeah. He did all right. <laughs> it was okay. I knew that was coming. I tried to beat you to it, but you were just too fast <laughs> for me. Um, Adam, uh, what do you think? Yeah, so I give this a pass. It flirts with a high pass for me. This is exactly in my wheelhouse. Now that said, I agree with everyone else's assessment that uh, you kind of have to already know the story that you want to tell. And for me, I want a system that gets out of my way so I can tell that story. Now we happened to run for the first two sessions, we ran the published adventure, which was fine. It was exactly what you needed for the first adventure. Honestly, probably should have been included in the core, core rule book to give people a sense, like Case was mentioned of how encounters should go. And I think it was very well designed, wasn't anything special, but flirts with high pass. When I think of scenarios that I want to run, I don't think of the system that I want to run them in. In a uh, story that I'd want to tell where the combat doesn't need to be bombastic like a superhero should be, like 
the systems for gunslingers, westerns, Cthulhu, living dead, zombies, tiny wastelands, I would absolutely consider those, um, this system for those. But we're reviewing Tiny D6 Supers today, and I give it a solid pass. And Trey. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say fail this time. Um hmm. I I I know I I did not expect I, that. I know. Um, yeah. Well, well I I was I was frustrated by my inability to make the character I wanted to make. And I I, I don't know. He, Part of part of it is probably the the superhero genre and my just not being particularly comfortable with that and you know as far as like just my knowledge of the genre I'm not that into it but mostly it was the character creation the character creation itself is fast and easy and it's even a little bit breezy and fun but I had an idea for a superhero I wanted to make and I couldn't make it in this game and that that was a bit of a bummer so uh that said, I would be curious, like Heidi said, to to play some of the other games in this in this in Tiny D six universe, and and see how those go. The character advancement thing that I talked about earlier was a big problem for me as far as having a superhero, which wouldn't be a problem with a fantasy game because you know I cut my teeth on first edition Dungeons and Dragons. That's what it was all about. I'm fine with that. It's just that interfered with the whole superhero idea of this thing for me. So it wasn't so much the system as it was the setting. The setting. So that that's interesting. So so yeah, so for Nathan maybe more of a more of a system system and, and or system issue and for you more of like a setting that the, the, the rules didn't quite fit. It was the matching the the the, the rules and the setting that, that was right. the problem for me. Well, and coming off something like Blades in the Dark where the system has obviously been crafted specifically to the setting. Yeah. No, it's it, it does feel very you know, just kind of flavored on. So, but I tell you what is hot to death about these rule system, and that's the rules for grappling. take the action where I can set him up for the attack like uh, distract or whatever so that I can give him the equivalent of a focus on his next turn yeah he wants his action I want to be able to manipulate my my buddy's action economy and yeah I think this this is missing that yeah, yeah like it is kind of missing a, it is kind of missing a bird of inspiration right I, yeah, yeah so okay this is gonna sound dumb but I think of it almost like Okay, you know how you have your grocery stores? You have your mega grocery stores that have like everything you could think of, a billion choices. But then you have your Trader Joe's or your Aldi, Mm -hmm. where they have all your base needs and a lot of really great stuff. But instead of having 20 options of pasta, they have two, right? Mm -hmm. However, it, it hits the spot, you know, like I can make up a grocery list. I can go to Aldi or Trader Joe's and get everything I need, except for maybe two or three kind of weird things, you know, like specific spices or whatever. This covers all the basics, you know, like a good superhero, anything should do. 